0: Italian Wine Podcast. Chinchin chin with Italian wine people. This podcast is brought to you by Native Grape Odyssey. Native Grape Odyssey is an educational project financed by the European Union to promote European wine in Canada, Japan, and Russia. Enjoy. It's from Europe. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty and My guest today is Brandon Tebbi. Brandon is a Master Sommelier based in Las Vegas in the United States. Actually, Portland, uh, Oregon, right now. Oregon. Oregon. They've
1: downgraded you then. Yes, I went to, went to make wine instead of selling it. Although I'm going back to selling it in uh,
0: Boston in about three weeks. All right, so you're making wine as well, are you? Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to do 16 different podcasts then on the, on the wine growing and the Somme. Let's start with the Somme. But you are still a sommelier? Yes. Okay, like a sommelier for life. Yeah. yeah. So you, and you still are a practicing sommelier? Yes. Where are you from in the States, first of all? Basically, i will be Boston, Massachusetts in about two and a half weeks. And where where are you from in the state? Two two people divided by a common language. Where's your family from in the States? Oh, in the States, uh, Colorado. Okay. So, so you're born and raised in Colorado. How did you get into wine? A trip to... Uh, Paris, just staying in hostels and enjoying wine, which is something I wasn't accustomed to. How old were you at the time? Uh, 20 six, I believe. So was it just like a holiday? Was it are you learning French or your parents sent you over there it was part of a school program? How did you end up in Paris? No, uh, no nothing like that. I just got sick of being, uh, I was in IT, I got sick of sitting behind a desk all day long, so I quit my job, cashed everything out and headed off to Europe. So you had an IT job and then, and how long did you spend in France then? Uh, about three weeks. Did you start speaking French at the end of that period? <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. I like a man who's <laughs> honest. So that whetted your appetite for wine. So then what happened? You, t- you went back to the States and said, right, this is my career. I want to do this. I want to switch careers and become a wine person. No, I actually started working in restaurants just to decide, interim,
1: decide where I was going to end up being and uh, took an interest in wine. A distributor took interest uh, in helping me further my education, Uh, had me sit the introductory level with the Court of Master Sommeliers and I just kind of, it blew me away. Uh, All the teaching, all the knowledge, everything it took to get it and I just kind of got hooked after that. So the Court of Master Sommeliers, what is that? It's an organization, probably the most prestigious in the world as far as being a sommelier, as far as uh, restaurants, hospitality, it's probably about 40, 50 years old, based out of London, and just an incredible way to, or incredible organization, really, to support this profession in particular.
0: So what is it like being a sommelier, the day-to-day aspects? A lot of people will think that there is a lot of glamour involved, I and mean, there probably is some glamour, depending on where you're working, but it is, yeah. it is. there's a lot of hard grind that goes on in the background just give us a bit of the skinny on that on that on that side of the industry
1: Almost uh, definitely i mean it's it's 60 70 plus hour work weeks it's inventory it's it's uh tasting and, and spitting and selecting wines and designing wine lists it's training staff uh, it's spending our time going around like i've actually taken a vacation vacation in I know, 12 years every vacation I
0: take is always wine related which sounds fun but really it's winery to winery to winery and about tasting and focus. And Okay and so when you're talking about designing a wine list are we talking about the, the type of paper you use or are we actually talk, talking about the content on that wine list?
1: Uh, or both? Both actually. I mean I'm really big on content my wine lists aren't just like okay these are the varietals, these are the wines.
0: I actually like to have a lot of fun and put uh, educational information or information that just draws people in. Okay so, so give me an example I'm looking at your wine list and I'm just saying looking at the I don't know, dry white wine list, for example, and I spy a couple of Italian wines on there. Am I just going to see the names of the wine, say Vodicchio or whatever it is? Am I going to see a little description? You're not going to say this is citrusy and floral or whatever. Or how does that work? In that one, I might categorize it like, uh, like streaks
1: of green, and then I would explain what that is and talk about these are wines with herbaceousness and, and uh, like green notes and minerality, and then everything that would fall under that category would be listed under there. That. that way, if get, the guest wants to understand what kind of wine they're drinking, they could read that and they can realize that anything in that. That within that list is actually going to be to
0: their palate. Okay, so you you also then have to be flexible as well because ultimately you want them to you want them to get the wine that you think will suit them as a human and also would will suit them in their mood as well as the food that they're eating. Is that is that how it works? Is that what your mindset is is when you're making those decisions or comments?
1: Yeah, the focus. The reason why I'm doing that is I'm trying to get them to break out of the Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, Cabernet and try to get them to look into look look at a selection of wines basically that's similar to what they enjoy and to get them into something else to get them to be adventurous to try
0: something new so I mean does, is humor part of that or is it very serious are you trying oh, no, to no, humor has to be part of it so, so you're, you're gauging their personality you may see a businessman and maybe your pitch will be a little bit different to him or her or woman or, or maybe a family or, or you style how you speak and what you say to each individual person most definitely yeah, yeah. and what, mean, what, are, what, are, what about difficult situations when I don't know you you've, you've described four different wine spirits like nah, no that one doesn't sound have you got can you recommend something else do you just keep on going then you just well when it gets to a couple wines You just ask them, okay, what do you normally drink? Right. And then from that, you can understand what they actually want. Okay. So you're picking up on, they say, I only drink dry white wine. And then you ask them what they drink and they name a wine. You think, and you know that that wine maybe has three, four, whatever it is, five grams of residual sugar in. So you're thinking, okay, what they really want is a wine that has obvious fruit is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, if they say they like, because uh, a lot of people will say, oh, I like sweet wine, but that could be Sauvignon Blanc, which is obviously not sweet. So yeah, it, it helps
0: me to, to figure out what I'm going to offer them. Do people come in and ask for wines by manufacturer? So they say, I want an organic wine or a biodynamic wine or a natural wine. Is that trend growing or is it pretty static in, in your in your part of the industry?
1: I personally have never been asked for an organic wine once for biodynamic wine but in that no never
0: so it's not it's not a big thing that people are talking about the Soms obviously you know the New York Soms you know that some of the movies that have been made recently in this this big not craze but this it's a buzz term at the moment natural and that has largely not all, uh, totally but it's been led by a group of soul groups of Soms in certain influential areas right. and you're saying in your part of the world which is where you've mainly been working which is Oregon right now that hasn't really kind of transferred to that part of the US
1: I think in Portland, possibly, yeah. But in, uh, like, anywhere I've experienced, whether it's uh, Colorado, whether it's Las Vegas, whether it's uh, Portland, I personally haven't experienced that. I think Somm's really focused on it because they're looking for a quality wine to offer the guest. And I think when you look at biodynamic wines, organic wines, you're usually looking at a wine that has to be cared for more so that it doesn't end up faulted. And
0: when they are clean, then you know they're going to be a, an incredible wine. So I think it's more about finding those great wines for your guests. So you could also end up giving somebody, for example, an organic or biodynamic or natural wine, and you're just giving the away. You're not telling them, oh, by the way, this is organic. You just say, you ask for a white wine with X, Y and Z flavours. Here you are and I hope you like it. You're not saying, oh by the way it's also organic or whatever. No, i never no. doing it. Yeah, okay, so you're just basically uh, making their experience as they would like it without any rough edges without causing any kind of um, doubt or, or, or fear that they feel in some way less knowledgeable than you obviously because they know that you're knowledgeable and it's and your job in that case is about feel good and interpersonal relationships. It's not about how many grams of residual sugar a wine may or may not have I was yeah no,
1: absolutely not my, my job is to get in and out seamlessly into uh, Is to make somebody's evening without interrupting their evening
0: so when you're having meals but I mean you may have a family with your family and family and friends how are they with you do they sort of poke fun at you in a very friendly way I'm sure about oh come on we'll let him to we'll let him to choose the wine because that's his job or do they say no 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 hand me the wine list I'm going to choose the wine it's, it's a pretty much all of that actually <laughs> <laughs> I get thoroughly harassed when I uh, really yeah <laughs> but I guess in a nice way yeah 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 no I'm I'm used to it and... so I mean in in terms of in terms of you as a character you obviously have responsibility for your staff as well A lot, yeah. What are the potential pitfalls with younger members of staff, for example, who are just entering in the industry? Is it their fear of being, of saying a a wrong comment or or looking stupid because they don't have your knowledge, or they just, you know, fearful of dropping a plate when they're walking to the table? What are their their hopes and fears?
1: Honestly, I think the younger uh, staff are usually pretty excited about it and they're really wanting to learn. They ask a lot more questions than staff that's been around for a while and, you know, you have a little bit of everything. You have staff that's been around for a while and knows everything, and then you have staff that, has been around for a while and is still interested in learning. It's just kind of like depends on where you're working, I guess.
0: Sure, okay. Just a quick couple of words on your winemaking project. Released
1: in 2020, it's Pinot Noir. Pinot Gris made it old school, in barrel, long aging on the Lees. Basically just looking to make about 500 cases of really good wine and see if it's something I want to continue. Which part of Oregon?
0: Uh, Willamette Valley. Okay, whereabouts exactly in the Willamette? It's being made up at Hollerin Winery. Mark up there is an amazing winemaker. But I mean, in terms of styling it, you're going to you're gonna sell me your wine. And what am I, is it a blockbuster? Are they blockbuster wines at Oak Are they mineral-driven...
1: Definitely not about the oak. Uh, the Pinot Noir is really indigenous fermentation. It was about trying to draw out complexity. It was really about trying to uh, make a wine that represents not just the terroir, but the microbial terroir. Oh, um, well, that's interesting. And it's...
0: i like to hear about that. That's a good one. I mean,
1: for me, terroir has to be everything. You've got the bloom that's coming in on the, the grapes. And if you're not utilizing that, then how can you speak of terroir? Because that's, that's all part of it. With the whites, it's, it was about using Pinot Gris and trying to find an interesting way to express it. So there was a little bit of carbonic, a little bit of cold soap to draw out some Colors, some flavors. There was two different ways to press, one through soft, slow pressing, one up to two bar, really, really hitting it hard, and then micro-ox, and all into barrel, gross leaves, everything natural. I picked based on pH, not based on bricks. I wasn't looking for sugar. I was looking for wines that would be
0: stable. I don't have to worry about them in barrel. Okay, so unfortunately, Oregon project, I'm going to close it down. And I'm going to say, unfortunately, as well, you are now going to have to move to Italy. And But you can choose where you go. And where you go, you must make at least one wine. Where are you going to go and which wine would you choose to make? Barolo. Okay. Definitely Barolo. <laughs> I actually had three and a half thousand bucks on that as a bet. I imagine that. And I'm now, I can now retire from the podcast which will be a relief for many of my listeners uh, and enjoy a very happy life just <laughs> me and my dog. Sorry, right, Barolo. So in terms of Barolo, what style of Barolo and what kind of terroir would you be looking for? I like the traditionalists. I like uh, extended aging.
1: I like Barolos that have to soften with time so I can drink them when they're older. I love wines with age. Everyone always asks what do you like to drink? I like vintage because um, you can taste history. As far as structure and soil, I usually look at uh, like Saralunga. Actually, I really highly look at pretty much anywhere in Barolo because I love the wines if I want to drink a little early I'll look at uh, Lamora. I'll look at Barolo if I want to age it for a while I'll look at Monforte or Serlinga
0: okay one final question we've got a bottle of your Nebbiolo in our hands so we're in Barolo you've transferred there I come and see you you're, gonna, you're excited about showing me your wine and we're going to have a meal just one one dish un piatto solo what are we going to eat? do braised lamb leg with uh, wild mushroom risotto freshly shaved Alba truffles okay so a light a light dinner then excellent yeah, I mean you're a big lad so you're a strong lad you could you look like an american footballer you got broad shoulders rugby yeah rugby oh, you play rugby do you yeah, well i'm a little old now so yeah no you yeah, you look about five you've got a baby face now i'm 40 years old 40 40 yeah yeah well you're looking good man old boy squad so. keep drinking the red wine exactly I want to say thanks to my guest today brendan Tebby from the court of master sommeliers sommelier and winemaker congrats yeah. thank you great talking to you thanks so, a lot thanks cool good luck with your endeavors This podcast has been brought to you by Native Grape Odyssey. Discovering the true essence of high quality wine from Europe. Find out more on nativegrapeodyssey.eu. Enjoy. It's from Europe.
1: Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.